0: Okay, first and foremost, we are not mental health professionals. We're here to
1: share our experience, but we can't give you medical advice. If you're experiencing a crisis, please reach out to a local or national resource. You can reach the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or find additional mental health resources on the ABA website. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mensana, a motion for mental health. I'm Laura. And I'm Caitlin,
0: and this is a podcast dedicated to reducing stigma associated with mental health in the legal industry through weekly conversations.
1: Oh my gosh, guys, this weekly conversation oh, got my off goodness. to a little bit of a rough start. Had some technical difficulties. We spent about two hours. Two now. hours. Yeah, two hours. We're supposed to get done around nine, but here we are. It's nine, but it's- that's Okay. We have veggie straws and beer. Um, (laughs) We
0: have had a ton of technical difficulties. We are now, in case you notice that the sound is different, we are now just recording into my MacBook because we spent two hours trying to get the microphones to work and get everything else to work. Thanks to Kenny for helping us try
1: to connect this. Yeah, you guys. For two hours. DJ Nintendo, you rock. Yeah. So here we are, guys. Um, we're still gonna have a great conversation,
0: yeah, so if you hear background noises and all that, we apologize um we this is this it's is gonna what be we've fine. for tonight. Next week, we will be back in the <laughs> studio, and
1: I would like to say I promise this will never happen again, but <laughs> it may knowing happen. us it could happen again, and yeah. that's okay, you know what? I'm sure you guys do all this in your jobs and probably at home all the time. I remember there last week, literally every single one of my passwords, I swear I thought I was hacked. I couldn't get into anything. Like, my Outlook, my work stuff, my team, nothing was working. And then my Apple also decided that it didn't want to work. So, like, I couldn't. I was just... I don't know, everything's so textured right now that, like, you can't, your hands are sort of tied when all that stuff yeah. goes awry. I'm so, getting anxiety just thinking about yeah. that. That so sounds like, so stressful. So, we're just going to rebut that. We don't have to dive into that anxiety. There are solutions. Nope. Like, this isn't our ideal setup, but, like, sometimes you have to accept, like, an A- minus effort. You know yeah. what I mean? I a- mean, minus that, is great. This is probably more like a B, B-plus effort, fine, but anything hey, above C, Like, <laughs> yeah. above C makes the rule go wrong. Exactly. Like, C is satisfactory.
0: So this episode is going to be dedicated to identifying parts of the day and parts of the industry that contribute to our mental health. Whether that be in a positive way or a negative way, we want to start identifying these areas and factors. And then from there, later on, we can start to deal with them. But for today, we're just going to talk about identifying them.
1: Right. And this is just all part of, you know, the journey of being present in your own mental health. So I know last time we talked about what mental health means to us, and we sort of talked about like being present and being aware and being able to identify different things. So this is really the start in a deeper dive into that conversation. Yep. So as you guys know, the first part of every
0: episode is dedicated to updating you all on our journeys. So before we dive into that other um, substantive stuff, I will just give you guys a quick update and let you know. um, Last night, or last night, last week I talked about my medication and how I was testing it out and seeing if the five milligram dosage was going to be enough for me. I mentioned that it had helped my depression, but hadn't really started to combat my anxiety. Um, And so when I met with my psychiatrist uh, last week, after you know three or so weeks of testing the five milligram dosage, I my dosage got increased to 10, ten milligrams. So at this point, I've been taking 10 milligrams now for a little while, still just testing it out. Um, for those of you that have been on an SSRI, uh, you know that it can take a couple weeks for it to actually set in and for you to actually start feeling the effects of it. So that's kind of the stage I'm in right now. Um, I'm not really feeling much of a change from that five milligram dose yet. Just started the ten milligram dose. So
1: hopefully by yeah, I think it was
0: last week. So hopefully by next week or the week after, I'll be able to tell you guys whether or not that ten milligram dose is working for me. Um, but other than that, like not really much is going on. I have not been going to therapy because I've been really focused on this psychiatry side of things, trying to just get that figured out. I do plan to go back to therapy. I'll tell you guys, my psychiatrist told me that studies have shown that the most effective mental health treatment, the people who end up feeling the best, are those that couple psychiatry with therapy and talk therapy. So my plan right now is to get my psychiatry figured out, find a dosage that works for me, get used to taking a medication, and then go back to trying the therapy side of things. I'm going to have to find a new therapist. As we talked last week, that's kind of a daunting task. So Trying to focus on the psychiatry side right now before I go back to the therapy side. But other than that, not much. What about you, Laura?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a lot, though. That that that's sort of like medication management and figuring out like what dosage works for you. That's like that's like a lot of mental work too. Like sort of, yeah. I assume like sort of like thinking about it and wondering if it's gonna set in or be a change or maybe not a change at all. And like, yeah, I could see that being, you know what I'm saying. I think, that's, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's
0: it can be discouraging at times yeah. when I start feeling like. Okay, this isn't working. Right, so, right. why am I even trying? Right. Um, and I just have to keep reminding myself that just because it's not working now doesn't mean it's not going to work in the future. Yeah. And it's like little little steps and yeah I mean but e- and even if Lexapro isn't for me like mm-hmm. if I try the 10 milligrams or I get up to 20 milligrams and I still am finding that it's not working mm-hmm. there are so many other options oh yeah, yeah yeah I've already talked to my psychiatrist about that so I'm just trying to remind myself that yeah, this, this is, is not
1: the end, yeah, end mean, all be
0: all task. yeah yeah for me this is literally step one right. so I'm just trying to remember that yeah. none of this happens overnight there mm-hmm. is no miracle cure to anxiety or depression or any of the things that I'm dealing with. So just trying to remind myself of that yeah. is, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard mm-hmm. for sure, but just doing the best that I can. Yeah,
1: that's good. I like it. Yeah. Um, not a ton of change for me as far as like professional um, therapy progress either. I have not even honestly really searched in an effortful way for another therapist yet. I've been really busy the past couple of weeks and that's what happens, right? We're like, oh, yeah. it's not important unless this mental health crisis is staring us in the face. So once again, I'm I'm trying to not ignore something that I think, um, you know, my mental health seems to be better when I'm making like like uh, daily or weekly progress. And especially, I'm still anchored in like professional, professional help. I wanted to find that still. So I mm-hmm. think that like, being conscious of that and having that appointment every few weeks is helpful to me. So I want to try to remind myself, like, you know, you should still search for somebody um, when even when something bad isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I need to do that. It's on the to-do list. But, you know, I know myself and like until like a <laughs> crisis edges up, I'm, I'm probably going to be like, yeah, it's on the to-do list. But, you know, priority is amid right now. Yeah. And- yeah. Well, and you're in
0: a new job, too. So yeah. you're focused on getting adjusted there as well, like, yeah. adjusting to that, and adjusting to a new therapist would probably like a lot. be a lot. It yeah. sounds like a lot,
1: but it, I, I do know it's, like, it's so, it's, like, taking vitamins, or, like, any other thing that, like, you do on the front end that benefits you, it's mm-hmm. actually, I changed that, it's not even, like, taking vitamins, because I feel like, you know, sometimes I take vitamins, and I don't know if they do anything, do you yeah. know? Maybe I just pee them all out, that's what they say, <laughs> right? Like, we don't know, but, like, with therapy, I feel like I do know it's incremental and small shifts, but, um, I really do feel them like months and like a year yeah. later. Like I feel them and I know it's good. So I need I need to do that. I need to remind myself of that. Yeah. But I have been, I think I've done a decent job. I had, um, I went home this weekend back to um, South Jersey and I had like a five hour drive each way. And I feel like every time I go home, like my drive there is kind of like a little bit anxiety ridden. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh boy, all right. And I, I don't know, I don't have lots of, It's fine. Like, I love my family. It's great visiting. But um, I feel like I don't really ever have a calm commute in. Yeah. Like, really to anything. Like, Mm -hmm. a long drive in. I'm kind of just not even necessarily in, like, a negative way. I'm just sort of anticipating, like, the weekend or the trip or whatever. Yeah. And by the time I come home, I really usually have a really, like, great commute back, like an introspective commute back and reflecting kind of really no matter what, I kind of like forgot to get sleep this weekend. So like (laughs) you would think that I wouldn't. And historically, like not getting sleep hasn't done wonders for my anxiety. But like even so, I sat with myself for five hours in the car and I just had like kind of like an introspective, nice like ride back. And even though I had like certain feelings about events that happened, I wasn't um, like panicked about them. I was kind of like, oh, remember that tool you learned in therapy that was kind of like, oh, if you're feeling like an emotion or a feeling or a thought about something, maybe just sit in it for a second. Like don't immediately reject it. Like kind of like sit there. Figure out why that's happening. Like, mm-hmm. be okay with feeling whatever, like, weird or negative way you're feeling. Yeah. Or maybe not even weird or negative. Maybe it's, like, um, a neutral feeling, but you're not used to feeling it or whatever. But I kind of just sat there with my feelings about things. Yeah. And I was like, this is okay. I feel okay about this. Like, yeah, this person said this thing or I did this thing, but I feel I feel fine with this. And yeah. I sort of moved through it. So, it was nice to remember um, some of the tools that Good. I learned in therapy, even though I wasn't. Nice still actively sitting in therapy. So yeah, that's my update. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: All right, let's dive in. I am super excited about this episode. We have gotten already um, so many suggestions and so much input from different areas of the legal industry for this episode, and I'm really excited to bring all of that in so that we're not just sitting here talking about our own <laughs> perspectives like our we perspectives usually do. Our perspectives are great, okay? I mean, I agree, but <laughs> No, I'm
1: excited to have some diversity in perspectives. Yeah. This yeah. is going to be
0: good. I'm super excited. So, all right. So, as we said, today we're talking about identifying different areas of your practice or different parts of our days that might affect our mental health. So, we have a we have a list in front of us. I think we're just going to start running through them. Um, and the first thing that I have on my list is working with clients. One of the things that has been really difficult for me to adjust to and has really contributed to my anxiety is working with clients that are not always satisfied with my work, um, are not satisfied with the bills that they get at the end of the month when I've you know spent 10 hours answering a question for them because they don't realize that. Their question is going to take some research on my part. They expect me to just know the answer. And you know, it's it's there's probably some communication that could be better both ways. I've learned to be more open with clients when I don't necessarily know the answer off the top of my head. Um, because I think that does a lot in the way of hedging against yeah, like their… like preparing them. Yeah, like for, yeah, preparing them for yeah. a bigger bill or just letting them know, you know, I don't really know the answer to this question. These are the places I can look. and um, If they ask how long it's going to take me, give them some type of estimate, like estimate to the best that yeah. I can. Um, but for me, especially, you know, in the first like year and a half of my practice there were a lot of questions I didn't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to just come out and say that to clients all the time because... It sounds
1: crazy because yeah. there's such an expectation on attorneys, which yeah. I think is crazy. I get this expectation almost weekly about people sort of being like, oh, uh, you're an attorney. Can you tell me about this like weird remote area of law that you yeah. know you've never even heard of? And they sort of like oh, didn't you go to law school? Like, how don't you know this? And it's kind of crazy. That's like demanding a veterinarian to like perform heart surgery or something. It's just, it's odd. It's an odd like kind of frame of mind for some people at least, obviously. Yeah,
0: no, I I think you're absolutely right. It's just hard because they are also paying us a lot of money to Mm -hmm. do this work. So I try to be as prudent as I can, but there are just times where, like I said, I don't know the answer and I'm going to have to do research. And Like anybody would. Yeah, exactly. And that's not abnormal, right? Mm -hmm. Like you should do the research. You should get the right answer. And I think it's become more of a matter of just communicating more with the client. But that has been a huge source of anxiety for me is really getting used to not always living up to their expectations and understanding that sometimes that's not my fault. Sometimes they have unrealistic expectations or other times – it, it's just the way that it is. And they had certain expectations that maybe I didn't meet, but like, that was because that was the work that was required. It took me five hours to answer a question or draft this thing because that was what was required. I wasn't right. doing anything wrong. Right. Um, and it was very easy for me to get in my own head and start thinking, well, oh, I must be terrible at this. Like, why am I <laughs> even a lawyer? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, clearly it shouldn't have taken me this long. But really, I had to talk myself out of that and come to an understanding that sometimes the clients just aren't going to know like what a certain task requires. Right. And like I said, sometimes that's about communicating and sometimes it just is what it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for
0: sure. What about you?
1: What's on your list? Um I have. So obviously in-house more is we're not obviously i don't bill thank god go in house everyone oh my <laughs> um, gosh so i don't have and that obviously was a new pressure removed off of me so i still i still feel the trauma from those yeah. from those days um obviously not and was it a part of the reason why you left private practice
0: or no um
1: honestly no okay yeah, my i feel like my billable hour i don't know i think at first i was really anxious about them and then i kind of was like I learned, especially in corporate world, that, like, it's, like, feast or famine a little bit, probably in a lot of areas, honestly. Like, it's not – I don't know why I sort of felt like I'd have consistent, like, oh, 35, 40, 45 hours a week. And it's not really like that. Some some weeks I build, like, 20 hours. Other weeks I build a lot more. So I kind of learned to roll with it, and I felt okay about the billable hour, but man, it is nice to not have it. Yeah. Like that that yeah, I don't feel that like dark storm cloud hanging over me as much. I have other dark storm clouds, but it's not <laughs> billable is removed from that, which is nice. Yeah. I, I think my pressure, um, so obviously my client is the company when you're in-house. And in in the same way, your client though, depending on if they've worked with in-house counsel before, how you know what experience they have with attorneys, some people sure. expect like you just said, for, you know, you to uh, them to walk in your office and be like, oh, well, like, uh, wh- what's the, what are the regulatory requirements for this, like, for Nevada? And it's like, <laughs> I don't even, is Nevada a state? I don't know. <laughs> you know, just kidding. But like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't have any idea. And I think especially for people who I know who probably like are more junior in the roles or who haven't really worked with attorneys before. I mean, our company is pretty young. So like, we've only had in-house staff now for about a little bit over a year. Okay. And then I just came in last month and they've worked with external counsel, obviously. Um, but I think and and it's not really an expectation as much as like kind of surprise mm-hmm. that I don't know it. And I and my initial thought is to feel like kind of like a failure that I don't know it or like that yeah. I can't help them immediately. And Same. then there's kind of like frankly like a priority list too. So if like somebody walks in my office and asks for a thing and I already have like Six other things that are like high priority for the company's goals. Yeah, it's it's been it's been interesting, sort of like managing different um, expectations. Yeah. I do guess. you find
0: that because you're in a newer company, and I deal with a lot of startups and early stage companies as well? And one thing that I find is when you're communicating with a lot of different people within the same company they're not always communicating with each other. Yeah, for sure. Do you find that inside your company where the the people outside of the legal office aren't always communicating with each other and then you're left to, like, make the decision for what comes first <laughs> right. or who's more important than the other?
1: Um, sometimes. I have a really great general counsel who helps me prioritize okay. when I'm feeling like that. Yeah, that's so Otherwise, important. no, because I often ask him, like, Okay, like what, what, which of these would you like me to address first? Because while well, this person may be like really, really, really anxious about whatever thing they have to do, it could be actually really low priority for yeah. the company. Yeah. But the amount of like, you know, gestures they're making about it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I need to do this now. And, like, the actual high priority thing, it could be a personality that's like, oh, like, could you maybe look at this when you have time? Mm -hmm. And my general counsel's like, no, work on that, work on that, you know? So it's interesting. It's like learning all the different, like, facets of how the company gets things done. Yeah. It's been a learning curve, I think. But, I mean, I think for me, as far as, like, identifying, date, like, pieces of the day that affect mental health it's that expectation piece for sure but i honestly think it's more situations where i'm thrown into more formal situations that have spiked my anxiety Mm -hmm. more like i know i talked about last week like my imposter syndrome like flaring at like the board meeting so like situations where i'm unfamiliar obviously and Mm -hmm. i'm sure that happens to y'all like if even if it's actually not like a high stakes thing if it's an unfamiliar situation you're asked to like do something that you've never done before. Yeah, I'm kind of like, why? Why would they ask me to do this? I have, I have never done this before, which is true. But I don't know. Like in my head, like what I used to remind myself is, okay, like every person who has done this before had a point where they had never done this before. Yeah, and like theoretically, they weren't fired. And like I don't know. I don't have this fear of like, oh my gosh, like someone's gonna fire me if I don't do this right. Like I don't know. The company's been really supportive and patient and, like, encouraging nice. of my efforts, which is lovely. Yeah, um, that's awesome. But that doesn't really, I don't know. It's its a reminder, though, that that's so internal and so ingrained. Like, mm-hmm. you could have your support system and a great general counsel, a great boss, great clients, all this stuff, and I don't think I would be absent my anxiety yeah. or, you know, weird thoughts or imposter syndrome, et cetera, about things, even if you had the perfect situation. So I like to remind myself of that because – you can have all the right things and still your mind's like, oh, uh, what about that thing? You mm-hmm. didn't say this thing right or you didn't know this. And you have to remind yourself that it's not really an external situation. It's internal. Like yep. you have to work on your thoughts. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right.
0: I think it's it's definitely an internal thing. I think a lot of what we're talking about today is going to be more internal, mm-hmm. the way that we're reacting to certain parts of the day rather than like, this crazy situation. Yeah. Or, I mean, a lot of it is going to come from those external factors, but there are ways that we can manage the way that we react to them.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. And it affects everybody differently too. Yeah. So oh, like, for sure. So like the crazy thing that in my head, the crazy thing that I'm worried about, like this board meeting, maybe Caitlin's like, oh, board meeting got that. Yeah. I can't handle this thing. Or like some of the stories we're going to talk about today yeah. In my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't think of a more pressure-filled situation than X, Y, and Z. And another person's like, I have X, Y, Z. The board meeting, screw that. I would yeah. never do that. You know, it, it's, so, it's so internal, guys. Yeah, I think that the board meeting aspect
0: is, is really interesting. And for me, it's a little bit more broad than that. I'm not often in board meetings for my clients because we operate as outside counsel rather than in, in-house counsel, obviously. But that being said... We are often dealing with what I consider high-stakes situations. So there are a lot of times where my clients ask me a question, and like I said, a lot of my clients are startups and early-stage companies, but this goes for companies at any stage. There are so many times where it feels like a decision that I make for the client or information that I find, whether it be a rule or a case or you know, just like some guidance documents or any information that I find could mean, could have drastic implications for their company. Like if there's a whole business model that they've come up with that they know is going to be successful and I have to go back and tell them this violates federal regulations or federal law or your state law, that means they have to go back to the drawing board and redraw their whole structure. And like For me, that that a lot of times is where I get into my own head and start feeling like if I don't get this right, like I'm going to ruin their company. I'm going to cost them so much money. But then it's like, well, the longer I spend on this, the more money I'm costing them anyway. (laughs) And I'm just constantly going back and forth. Like
1: snowballs. Yeah. It's it's like it's so
0: much. Well, it's impactful.
1: You're right, though. It is impactful for them. Like that's what's great about this profession that you can impact someone or a business or a personal life so much. But like the flip side of it is you impact a person's life or business so much.
0: Yeah. And like it can be great. If they succeed, then you get to say I was a part of that and I'm so proud of them for doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's always in the back of my mind, like what if I get this wrong or what if what I find is is not the answer that they want. Right. Or, like I said, has detrimental effects on their company. And and we're talking a lot about the corporate side of things because Definitely. that's where we both work. But right. I think the same is true on the litigation side of things. If you lose a case, you can cost your oh, company yeah. millions of dollars. And in a lot of instances, that's not actually your fault because... In some
1: cases, your client did something wrong. Right, it was a losing case. Exactly. I mean, you're obviously going to be a zealous advocate. Right. And you're going to like mitigate circumstances for sure. But uh, sometimes you cost people money. It is what it is. Like that's the law. Yeah, and there are just times where you
0: can do everything right and still have that drastic impact on your client,
1: and so. And even worse from people, well, in my head, obviously, see, this is the difference. Like, in my head, I'm like, oh, my gosh, think about a family lawyer who has the impact of, like, somebody losing their children or something. Like, I can't even, I feel like one of the reasons I say that, like, oh, my gosh, like, family lawyers, like, how amazing the work that they do and how impactful it is. But I sort of knew and know that, like, I don't think I could do that work, man, because... I don't – I first of all, I would get way too emotionally invested, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like, think about how impactful that is on somebody's yeah. personal life. Like, I, I already know that my anxiety probably wouldn't really let me do a great job yeah. <laughs> in, that, in that field. Same. So – And I think it's the
0: same with, like, public defenders, right? Yeah. They have – sometimes they have children that they're defending right. that – if, if they lose that case, that child's going to go to jail or have a felony on yeah. their record or end up being tried in court as an adult when they're only 13 years old and then they have a felony on their record for life. Right. How
1: impactful is that? Yeah. And it's, it's, we're talking about losing corporations some money. I know. And like, I know. It seems, but, but no, like it, that's really scary to, to some people too. Yeah. It's not, you know what I mean? So,
0: yeah, I think, I think those high stakes are a huge source of anxiety for me and i think it's it's broadly applicable to to all industries and so if you are in those industries if, well if you're in any part of the legal industry you may be dealing with this situation kind of often and for me ways that i've started to deal with that is again commuting, communicating with the client as much as i can if You know, my research is starting to head me down one path. I'll call them up and say, hey, like, this is what I'm starting to find. We might want to re-envision what you're trying to do here. I mean, we might want to, you know, if you've got your structural diagram here, we we might want to move some of these arrows around or move some of these boxes around so Mm -hmm. that it makes sense and it doesn't, you know, ruin your business model, but you're still complying with the regulations that apply. Right, right. And... So for me, that that's yeah. what has helped me deal with that. But again, I think that's still a huge contributing factor to my anxiety yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. And I and I really don't know like the way around it. Yeah.
1: Honestly. I think too probably honestly, just with time and experience it make it better. So if yeah. we're talking to a lot of like new attorneys here or law students, I think I don't know. I feel like I used to feel so much more anxiety when I first started because honestly, I mean, you really don't know much. Yeah. So you're kind of like you're doing your research well and stuff, but like, you just haven't had the same, you haven't seen the same things enough to know with confidence that it's the right answer. And yep. like, you know, you did everything by the book, you did everything right. So you're like probably saying the right thing. You just don't know it for sure. Yep. So I do the same thing. I think that communication, like extra communication upfront with, you know, my client, like the company yep. now has helped because often it's not even so much, it is unrealistic expectations. But when I think when... I hear the term or when people hear the term unrealistic expectations, they're thinking of like somebody unreasonable. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean like people that are like unreasonable people, which they exist too, obviously <laughs> For deal sure. with them all the time, but not necessarily as my client. Um, it's not really unreasonable people. It's people who like just don't really know what the process is. Mm-hmm. And... Until I do like a little bit, like a brisk, a brisk dive into the situation, I really don't know how long it's going to take. So like if you just present me with a question, I'm like, uh, could be anywhere from like I could look up in five seconds to like a day. I don't know. So I always say or I try to say something like, let me like look into this briefly and get back to you on like what I think I have to
0: do. Yep. I I think that transparency is really important. And I think that on the flip side of that, asking your clients if they have a particular deadline that they need something by yeah. so that you, you can know, budget. Yeah, you can budget your time and, and having that communication of like, okay, you need this by Monday. Well, I can't really get to it until Friday. So do you need it by Monday or right. Is that do when you, you just would like want to have it, it by Monday? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think oh, just yeah. that transparency can be really helpful for Helping yourself organize mm-hmm. what you have going on, and for me, that helps me reduce
1: my anxiety. Sure. Having your list, shocking. <laughs> yeah. Lists reduce Caitlin's anxiety, guys. Did you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the best, the best is like checking things off of. That oh list. yeah, I feel oh that. Oh my that. god, it's like crap. All right, so we talked a little bit about public defenders a few minutes ago. I want to dive in a little bit more now into some of the the perspective and input that we've gotten from people in other industries because I think that we have we both have similar experiences. Yeah. You being in-house and me being outside counsel, but in the same vein, we're both corporate attorneys, we're both in the healthcare space. Right. We're both working with early-stage companies. Mm-hmm. So our perspectives in that in that respect are pretty similar. So I reached out to a friend who is a public defender and just asked her like some general questions. Um, For instance, I said, what would you say is the hardest part about your job that affects your mental health? And she said that the the most difficult thing to deal with is secondary and vicarious trauma from her clients. And the way that she described it is the crushing weight of a criminal justice system designed to prey on the less fortunate.
1: That's big. <laughs> when I
0: received that text message, kind of crazy. that text message, I was just kind of like, whoa, that is much heavier than anything right. I deal with on a daily basis. Right. Like, it really puts my anxiety in perspective. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here worried about how many hours I've billed in a day. And these are, like, very serious trauma, yeah. like, examples of trauma that
1: my friend is dealing with. And it wasn't something I had ever thought of before. Right. Because we're not in that space. So we're like, oh, leave anxiety. We're getting our billables in. And she's like, oh, this whole system is. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. But what I thought was really cool
0: was I then asked her, have you found any good ways to deal with that? And she said, focusing on one client at a time and managing her own anxiety She's on medication. She goes to therapy. She said that in the beginning, that made a huge difference for her. She keeps a bullet journal. She works on meditating and exercising more. And she even said that, like, public defender offices, at least the ones that she works in, have a very supportive culture because everyone's dealing with the same thing. This is so challenging for all of them. And they're able to, like, joke around about it and play office pranks on each other. And (laughs) my favorite is... They
1: have daily post-court bitch sessions. <laughs> that's awesome. I want, like, a, I just want, like, a daily bitch session. Like, yeah. Not that I have anything to bitch about. Seriously. At all, but, like, we're, we're here to whine, right? I feel like so that's like, what this podcast yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. We need a new segment Let's called... Let's all
0: whine together. ...bitch sessions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another thing she said was that um, they have very generous sick leave, which means she can take a day if she's feeling burnt out. And that is something that you and I have talked about. Yeah. That I think is so important in this industry everybody takes sick leave when they have a cold or their kid is at home yeah and i think it's important that we start taking mental health
1: sick days as well i mean we're not saying like don't work it's not a vacation day it's, no it's you're encountering something that's like maybe a block for you yep at work i yeah. don't know i know for me like If I'm having like something happen mentally for me, whether I feel like it's justified Mm -hmm. in quotes or not, um, I don't know, like that moment has to happen or I can't. I can't really
0: do work until it's through. Yeah, I mean, your your output's not going to be quality no. in those moments.
1: And your employer doesn't want that. Your right. client doesn't want that. Right. So it's it's weird to me that you're kind of like, oh, anxiety, depression, you're having an episode, keep on working. It's like, okay, the work's going to suck.
0: Yeah, so, so I thought that was really interesting. I think that it's great. I think that it's an area that the rest of the legal industry could really learn from. Mm-hmm. I mean public defenders are dealing with probably m- more trauma than the rest of us are dealing with on yeah. a daily basis. I mean, family law as well. I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of trauma there, but yeah. they're they're I feel like they're really in the thick of it and they're really dealing with the worst of it, but yet they're also handling it so much better mm-hmm. than the rest of us might yeah. be.
1: They're like well-equipped. They, yeah. they deal with like on paper kind of crazy things yeah. every day.
0: Yeah. So I thought that was really, really awesome. And I, I hope that that those types of elements, those like daily bitch sessions or, (laughs) you know, having the being comfortable taking a sick day if you're not feeling mentally well. I hope those are things that catch on throughout the rest of the industry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then we talked about other areas too. Um, We both talked about um, law school, obviously bringing up lots of things for us. And like everybody loves to talk about Like cold calls in that environment and the pressure filled environment. And oh my gosh, I have to just tell you,
0: (laughs) cold calls were major, major anxiety for me (laughs) 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 to the point that, (laughs) like, (laughs) this is so bad. There were several times where. Where professors would call on me in class, and I would just be silent. I would just not respond. (laughs) You just stare at them. Yeah, yeah. and be like, sorry, not talking to. Yeah, and one L year. My God, your name is Caitlin. There was a girl one L year that had the same (laughs) name as me that. Hated me. I bet she did Because every time, understandably <sighs> so. If you're listening to this, I'm so so sorry, so Caitlin. Sorry, so Caitlin. sorry,
1: Caitlin. The Caitlins of the world, please all hate this, Caitlin. But it, okay,
0: <laughs> so it's really funny. But I will say that it was like real anxiety. It was panic. It was. Oh, I believe you. Yeah. It was. My throat was closing up. My face was flushing. My heart was pounding. My hands were sweating. I couldn't do it. Like, yeah. in undergrad, I was the one sitting in the front of the classroom, raising my hand, answering every single question. <laughs> and then I got to law school, and I, all of a sudden, was terrified. I think it was the control. In undergrad, I was in control of when I was answering questions. Yeah. In law school, I was not. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it was like my world was upside down, and I truly could not deal with it.
1: Yeah. It was, it was awful. Like, I... I, I think that, like, I built up the cold call culture a lot more pre-law school based on, like, really? things people told me. So, like, by the time I got there, like, it was a thing for me for sure. But it wasn't, like, I don't know. In my head, yeah. it was way worse than what reality was. Yeah. Like, I feel like. And also, we had different classes, too. So, like, certain right. professors are kind of more into that than others. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I feel like when it happened, I was kind of like, uh, all right, hopefully it's okay. <laughs> and it was. It was anxiety inducing for sure, but I didn't have that kind of pre anxiety stuff because in my head I was like, Well, it's random. Like, are we gonna sit here all class and freak out? I know. If it doesn't happen. But like it's you know, sometimes anxiety can't really be wrestled with logic. Sometimes Um, it's just there. Yeah, I mean. And other times, you know, your name is Caitlin, and you get called (laughs) constantly because your name's Caitlin. So, (laughs) not that you answer, but, you know, theoretically, you're supposed to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I just, like, I didn't even think of it.
0: I I didn't think of it as something that I could deal with or that would go away. I thought of it as something I literally could not deal with. Yeah. I was, like. There's nothing I can do about this. I'm not going to do anything about this. I'm just not going to talk. Yeah. And for me, it was probably not great for, like, my professional development. It was not great for my grades. I was not participating in class Nearly as often as I should have, and yeah. for me, that's a really great way for me to learn is to participate in the mm-hmm. class.
1: You're like more engaged, et exactly. That's why they like do cold calls, you know. Yeah, is to keep like the you know it's like a pedagogical effort to keep like people engaged. Yeah, or one of the things, one of the reasons. Anyway. Yeah. So
0: looking back, I wish that I had identified that better and yeah. been better about it, but just like at the time, I I didn't. But but also, I think part of that for me was that. The environment in law school is very, very competitive. Yeah. And I have always been a competitive person. I've always played sports. I've always enjoyed competition. But suddenly, I didn't feel like I was on a team anymore like I did with sports. Yeah. I felt like I was alone and I was competing with everyone else. Yeah. Well, you kind of are. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that was... That was terrifying for me as well. And that yeah. made my anxiety even worse. And then it made me not want to participate in class because everyone was judging me. Right. And
1: in your was... head. In your head, everybody's exactly. judging you. Everybody's right. smarter than you. Everybody's – or in my head, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm not a big fish here. Well, marry, <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'll just shut up. Absolutely. But and I, I think... would say more participatory, t- too. Like, I used to be, like, way more obnoxious in undergrad yeah. than I was in law school. Yeah. So
0: – I mean, I think, I think most of it was probably in my head for sure. Yeah.
1: Nobody Everybody was. You know, freaking out about their own cold calls. They were like, I could give. You know, no cares well, about Caitlin. Most people were like <laughs> that. I don't know if everyone was, but yes, most people are like that. I just that. assume that most people are, like, inherently selfish and narcissistic, like myself. Yeah. And are only <laughs> just sort of like, okay, don't. I'm not even listening to you because I'm sitting here counting down till my name gets called. Yeah. Like, that's what I was doing. Like, I don't know if I listened to anybody in law school but the professor who was about to say, Laura, you know. <laughs> so, I don't
0: know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's right. But I think that competitive environment carries over into the industry and into the real oh, for world sure. as well like so we so we had someone else tell us that and and this is a person who is an attorney she's in big law she's actually also a health health lawyer but she's in big law in new york city and New York City is a different world compared to Richmond where we are located. So I was really happy that she wrote in and gave us her perspective. Um, but she said for her, the hardest thing that she deals with is the workaholic culture. Like in New York City, everyone, from what I understand from the way she described it, everyone is constantly working. And if you're not working, then you start to feel like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And law school was like that
1: too. Yeah. People, um, I remember people being like, just comparing how far they got on their outlines and stuff and like people also like or at least rumors of like fabricating how far you got or fabricating how little you were like it was all about like who could oh my gosh I was in the library till 3am that just carries straight over into firm life yeah or a lot of firms anyway
0: Yeah, and I think this is a really good place to just give you guys a quick little side note. We are super excited about a collaboration that we have coming for you. So there are two 3Ls at William & Mary. They have a podcast called Law School After Dark. It's a podcast dedicated to basically the law school experience, and they talk about it. They've got a couple of episodes about mental health. So we're going to be doing a collaboration with them. Super excited about it. Can't wait to share that with you guys. But the reason I bring that up is because they have a segment in one of their episodes about busy bragging. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what this is. It is people talking about how they spent their whole Thanksgiving break outlining. Right. Or they, they couldn't go they couldn't go to bar review on Thursday night because they were outlining. Right. Or whether
1: they did it or not. Either yeah. way, even if you, you, you didn't go out to bar review because you yeah. were outlining, or you sat there and told people that. Yeah literally either way it's like the intention
0: behind yes. saying that and it's and it's just people constantly m- talking about how they're missing out on these opportunities because of how busy they are right and for me in law school I don't deal with it quite as much now. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we get a little bit of it from, like, our big law friends who are sending us Snapchats about all the hours they bill. But, like, I do the same thing. sleeping at
1: the office and such. Yeah, but I
0: do the same thing. It's almost like a point of
1: pride, though, when our culture is, like, oh, you must not be successful unless you're sleeping on a cot at the office. I don't know. I sort of, like, just, like, fully took that out of my (laughs) psyche when I decided to, like, I was, like, well, I am for sure not going to apply to the New York City or Nova or D.C. markets because – I don't want to necessarily be around that culture. Like yeah. In my, it's not a healthy environment for me to be in. I right. think that I could do like thought work and managing my mind to get me to that point, but like I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. Yeah. I like I like all of my hobbies and things and yeah. I mean, <laughs> recording a podcast. Yeah. Sitting at the office, <laughs> like what a luxury. You yeah. Know? Right. We're Seriously. Serious. But that's good
0: for you because like I don't think a lot of people are able to distance distance yeah. themselves from it that way. Yeah. For me, it was this weird experience of like. I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be missing out on bar review or hanging out with my friends over Thanksgiving break or spending time with my family. But at the same time, when I heard people talking about that, I was immediately anxious that I was behind, that I was you know, not doing enough work, that right. I must be you doing something guilty. wrong. guilty, like yeah. all this guilt and
1: shame. It's yeah. like, it's such a moral judgment for people to be busy bragging. That's what it yep. is. And it, it makes, it makes you feel better when you see the other people being like, oh my gosh, I haven't even started outlining yes. yet. Like presumably.
0: But yeah. that, that's what that's what it does. Well, I it guess was. the person that actually
1: had not started <laughs> outlining yet. Yeah, same. I was like, well, all right, because guess I'm just going to fail now. Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel like that. I was kind of like, oh, shoot, I better get my stuff together. And because yeah. I'm like queen of procrastination, which yeah. is like endemic to us type airs, yep. Um, I didn't do anything about it. But I just, you know, what what, what is the meme? It's like you stressfully watch Netflix. Like yes. you're like watching Netflix joyfully, and then you remember the things you have to do and you don't change anything. You nope. just... You just watch Netflix and yep. stress all yeah. the
0: time. And I feel like that's what this person was talking about in the New York City, like workaholic culture. I think it's the same probably in
1: D.C. I think yeah. it's the same in these busy, busy cities. Big where, markets. Yeah. It's, I mean, honestly, it happens in Richmond. Just, that's true. You, you see anywhere, really anywhere. That's it happened true. in a small town, too. Like there's yeah. always that. But there's just more people <laughs> in those yeah, places yeah. who are participating in that culture. True. So it's really easy to convince yourself that, Everybody in the world operates like that. Or maybe you don't even need that. Maybe you're like, well, it doesn't matter if no one else in the world operates like that. D.C. operates like that, and that's the market I'm in. So I have to, like, you know, get with it and and sleep in a cot at the office. Yep, exactly. Or something. Yeah,
0: so one other piece of input that we got from someone who does civil litigation um, was another part of his day that he found really difficult was – or is – trying to come to settlements and effectively communicate with your client while also trying to be honest with your client about like how far they can really go. So, so my understanding was that sometimes it can feel like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth because in one instance you're telling your client like I can zealously advocate for you. I can do this for you, but at the same time like you might have really messed up here and you might yeah. just want to settle and pay this person a bunch of money. Right. And then it's like, well, am I really being a zealous advocate? If or i telling them to settle. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's not what they really want. They want me to go to court and fight for them. But like I'm trying to explain to them that it's going to cost them more money to do that. So maybe that's not the best option. But then it feels like I'm not doing the best that I can right. for them. But
1: you are. Like it's making a exactly. judgment call. Like they're, I mean, they're essentially like, paying you and valuing you to make that yeah. judgment call. I mean, it's easy to say that on the side over here, know. like not making a settlement call. But like in my head, I would never think like, oh my gosh, he just must not be a zealous advocate. And he yeah. he must just not want to go to court, you know? And really that's like the best decision in a lot of cases, I'm sure, yeah. is is to do that. But like that, once again, I feel like it brings in a decision or a moment in your day that's impactful. Yeah. So like that call. It's to that make high that, stakes. Right, it's a high stakes decision where you're like, uh, okay, when it's on my client, like, it's probably fine, but there's a, you know, give them a percentage, Yeah. you know, call on maybe it's fine, maybe it's not. Here's my sureness in this yep. and kind of move on. Yeah, and then if it, if it was me,
0: I would always be wondering, like, what if, right? Like, if yeah, I went to court and I lost, I'd be like, crap, I should have settled. Right. Or if I settled, I'd be like, well, what if we went to court and right, I won? Right, right.
1: So I think just oh my God, I do that with everything. I know so I me can't, too. I can't, exactly. I try to cut it. I honestly have been really good about cutting off that train. I let myself like go on the rabbit hole for like a few minutes. And then I'm like, you know what? Literally in the past, it's history. Yep. What are we going to do, do that. about that now? Yeah. I, it's literally just practice. Like yeah. over and over, over again, practice of like, and then I, it's been honestly a lot easier for me to say like, okay, moving on. Oh, yeah. well, get it together. You know, what are you going to do? If you cannot do anything, you can't do anything. If it's yeah. bad, it's bad. You learn from it. Yeah. You know? I really need to learn. I, I really need I to, to learn. It's literally not always that. that easy for me. But, know. you know, sometimes sometimes I'm like, okay, that yeah. sucked. Figure it out next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's awesome.
0: Um, All right. What else? Do you have anything else on your list? I don't think so. No.
1: That was a lot. And I feel like... That was a lot. And I'm sure you guys have, frankly, a lot more to add to that yeah. list. Like, these date or um, times in your day that kind of spike? We talked a lot about anxiety because I think that's something that like comes up yeah. a lot for us. Obviously, this is yeah. a two anxious lawyers podcast, right? But, um, you know, what What other, it'd be great to hear from you guys as far as, in addition to anxiety, we'd love to hear about your like an- anxious moments in the day as well. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, do, do other things in your day trigger other symptoms of um, mental things you're dealing with too? Like, whether I don't know, like there's a whole slew of things that I feel like could trigger different things for you guys. So we'd love to hear that and talk about it on the podcast, too.
0: Yeah, um, that's a really good point. And I think that we this is kind of how we're envisioning these episodes to go is we talk about a topic and we tell you our perspective and any input that we've gotten outside of our perspective as much as we can. But then our plan is to get more feedback from all of you once you've heard us talk about it. And maybe once you get a chance to start thinking about parts of your day that might be affecting you, then you can reach out to us and tell us those things. And and this is what happened with our last episode, actually, with our stigma episode. Yeah. We published the episode and we immediately got a bunch of feedback from yep. people about their personal experiences. So. I think this is a good time to sort of transition. Yeah, let's
1: segue because yeah. that feedback, like, not to copy off of last week's happy pill, but like that's kind of my happy pill. Is it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's my happy pill for this week. It's like the stigma feedback.
0: So it's, it's my ha well, I don't think it's my happy pill because it was kind of
1: frustrating to hear the experiences that no, people have it's had. It's like negative, it's negative. Well, let me pause. It's positive feedback about Such a negative thing we apparently all deal with. And, like, you know, we had a hunch that we all deal with it. Obviously, we created this podcast. Yeah, so let's tell them, like, what we heard from people.
0: Yeah. So we had one person message us and say that she actually had a doctor, like, a medical physician say to her... Something along the lines of be careful of what you self-diagnose because once you have a diagnosis, that's going to follow you through your whole career and you never know what the outcome of that is going to be. <laughs> and like, who who says that? A, you're a doctor? B, I mean, like what the heck, man? You are clearly going to this person because you trust them right. and you want their help for something. Right. And they say to you, oh, be careful about what you like admit right. about yourself like the because, fact that it's caution those terms
1: admitting yeah. committing like yeah. all of the all of that kind of language literally designed to further stigmatize mental health yeah. like that infuriates me what are
0: you doing like man? would you say that to someone who broke their arm like oh be, be careful, careful. Who you show that cat like right. we don't want to put a cast on you because <laughs>
1: other people might see it and
0: then like what if yeah. you get fired you, you might not get fired. asked to
1: join the soccer team because like you <laughs> have this injury they knew about from 10 years ago like We know and I'm sure you know how hard it is to ask for help from anyone, be it a doctor or a friend or even telling anybody about any mental health issue in the first place. Like taking that step is kind of rough and it's sort of like a trust fall and you sort of trust that someone's going to catch you on the end. And that person didn't catch them. And another piece of of feedback was that um, one of our friends was telling um, like a a colleague about the podcast and they were (laughs) the response A lot of the response was good and some of the response was like, oh, man, that's sort of like putting a lot of personal information out there kind of thing. Better be careful about doing that. And it's like, well, yes, that's kind of the point. Yeah. And then
0: and then one other one other thing that we heard, too, was someone told us that um, she had a panic attack in the middle of a meeting, like a like a not a board meeting, but like a meeting Mm -hmm. with with a bunch of colleagues and superiors and. They basically, like, sat her down and made sure that she knew that that was not acceptable.
1: What? Like, a a full-fledged panic attack. You know, like, the ones you can't control. <laughs> oh, my God. How <laughs> did they... I want to know how they even, like, got through to her that that happened. Because I don't know. When I have a panic attack, like, I don't really hear things. Like, yeah. there's not a lot of focus happening on yeah. other people. Yeah. Or, wow. And I don't know. but yeah. But I just... I mean... Sorry, your broken arm isn't acceptable. Maybe you yeah. should fix that. Yeah.
0: I think that like it it was just a, a big realization for me that this conversation really is as important for others as it is for us. Yeah. I think we both came at this podcast not selfishly, but like we knew we had issues and we didn't really know who else was going to care or want to yeah. listen to us talk about them, but In just two short episodes. And I know we say the word feedback like all the time. (laughs) Feedback, feedback. But we really have just gotten so much great feedback. We've had people we don't know messaging us to tell us their stories. It's been amazing. Yeah, thank you
1: guys. Please, please keep it coming. Yeah. We love, also anonymous or not, we don't care. We love sharing that stuff because people can only relate to us so far. We're only two people in sort of similar industries. so. Whether your stuff is about personal issues. And we've had people be like so honest and raw with us about like really intimate, like in my head, like personal things that they've experienced, both their own mental health and loved ones' mental health. And they've shared it with us, which is amazing. Like we love hearing that stuff. I think those stories are going to be able to touch so many people. Yeah, We cannot wait to share them. It's going to be awesome. We love having this conversation with you guys. It's been a a minimum super fun, but like. It's it's touching, honestly. Yeah. It's and it's happening. Like yeah.
0: it's happening so much faster than we imagined it would be happening, but
1: it is. Was that your happy pill?
0: No. <laughs> so all right. Are we ready for a real It ha- was that? That your was happy my happy sp- pill. I didn't dismiss
1: my happy pill. It was <laughs> feeling like I wasn't like alone and lost, like just with you in this like little <laughs> isolating world of like, you know, I think there's a lot of stigma out here and um yeah, like I feel it. Like is that's only happening to me?
0: Like <laughs> All right, my happy pill is very simple well i have two happy pills one is you just, get one happy pill oh my That's god the, no, I'm kidding.
1: it's fine. i need two happy have, pills
0: have, have ten happy pills good for it <laughs> so one is very quick it's just um my partner and i went to dc for a hockey game this weekend we got to see some of our friends um from law school and then some of his friends from home were there and it was just a really great weekend like it was just so much fun we're all big Washington Capitals fans. They won five to two. I have a fantasy hockey team, and <laughs> like everyone on my fantasy hockey team scored or had an assist. Caitlin's actually a dude. <laughs> right. yeah. Stigma. Stigma! stigma. You're like every girl that I date. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so that was really fun. It was really awesome. Um, but I also really wanted to mention, and this is this is another happy pill, and I just think it's really really important. I. Got a call today from my boss. Mm-hmm. Who we do weekly check ins. Um, we do like like everyone in our firm does a weekly check in with one of the partners. It's just like a, a part of our, our like firm. And she called and she was like, "We don't have to talk about the work stuff today. I just wanted to check in with you and see like how you're doing because she's listening to the podcast." And we also do, on Fridays, we have a team meeting and everyone does like a brag and drag. (laughs) And my drag had been that I was really struggling lately. And that was part of me doing my homework from last week of really pushing to be open with my colleagues about my mental health. And so my drag during this meeting with all of my coworkers and the partners in my firm was I've really been struggling with mental health issues it's been a personal struggle and it hasn't affected my work. But my brag was that everyone had been so supportive about it. And so my boss called me today and she said, you know, I had no idea that you were struggling, but like, how are you doing? What medication are you taking? This is what I take. This has been my experience for the last like 10 years or whatever of her or 15 years of her life. And she, and we just had this very open conversation about what she has dealt with and what I'm currently dealing with. It turns out we have really similar experiences. And so it was really helpful for me to hear from her the steps that she took and what worked for her and what didn't. And it especially was helpful to know that she said, Um, I dealt with it. But so it was just really great to have that open discussion with her. She's gonna come on the podcast probably at some point. So I'm really excited for her to share her story with all of you. I don't wanna give too many of her details away. but so, so yeah, so I had two happy pills, but I think they were both really important for That's different worth reasons. That's I suppose. So. <laughs> we'll
1: permit both.
0: So thank you for your patience. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really awesome. It just, it just, again, it just felt like what we're doing is already gaining yeah. traction. It's right. already happening.
1: Well, honestly, like even if no one listened and that was a moment for you guys to connect like that over yep. that, like that conversation would have never happened. And yep. you probably would have, you know, continued to have a great relationship, but like, that relation's huge. Yeah. Like, that connection's big. Exactly. It's big for people. It's big for me when that happens to yeah. me. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really awesome.
0: Oh, so I did want to say really quickly, mm-hmm. um, we spent a lot of time today talking about parts of our day that are very hard and some ways that people have dealt with them, but we haven't really dove into how to deal with them. I think our next episode is going to be more yes. focused on how to deal with them. We're doing
1: a two-part episode, so yep. we don't bore you guys for two hours. 2 harder. <laughs> probably should have said that in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But- Oh my God! I Forgot about the homework. What kind of teacher are you? Just kidding. Oh my God. Okay, so literally doing what we just did on this podcast. um, Please this week go through and sort of think about one part in your day that causes you stress um in terms of like flaring up any sort of you know negative emotions or feelings or maybe any like recurring like mental health thing you've been tackling um think about what part of your day does that and let us know and yeah we'll talk about it yeah you don't have to share it with us if you're
0: not comfortable but we would absolutely love to hear from you Mm -hmm. if you do identify one part of your day that makes your anxiety worse or makes you feel good we we definitely want to hear that positive feedback as well yeah tell Um, us about the good things too yeah yeah for sure um all right that's it i think that's it all right follow us on instagram at emotion for mental health dm us on there as well yeah subscribe to our podcast (laughs) rate us five stars on apple if that's the platform that you use if you think we're worth five stars no just give (laughs) us five stars